Welcome to Me and the Geek. I'm me, Joel Sharpton. You can follow me on Twitter at The Rogues Life. And this is a weekly geekly conversation with a different geek for a peek into their geeky world. You know, we started this show with MCU episodes. We were talking about Spider-Man and his return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And with the big Marvel movie premiering this weekend stateside, I thought it was uh, only fitting that we go back and talk about the movie that started this whole phenomenon. Not Iron Man, although that was the very beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This week we're going to be discussing the original Avengers film from Marvel and Disney. It was the first uh, movie that was under the Disney banner after Disney purchased Marvel and uh, took over their continued distribution and production. And I think a very successful one. With rapid insurance on Vodafone business, we'll get a replacement phone to you within four hours. So if you should... Oh, no. Or even... Just get in touch and we'll... Your replacement phone, sir. Your phone replaced within four hours with our rapid insurance. Available on our new and limited data plans. The future is exciting. Ready? Vodafone Business. Max download, upload speeds apply to data. Coverage may vary. Unlimited and rapid terms at vodafone.co.uk slash terms. Matthew Bennett is my guest this week. Uh, he actually recorded a pilot episode of this show with the two of us discussing Spider-Man. That was lost to the ether and the Internet, though, I'm afraid. So uh, maybe we'll find uh, some audio from that someday and salvage it and put it out there for you. But for right now, you're going to get your first taste of Matt Bennett. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other for years. He's a big geek. Uh, he's also a, a seminary student and uh, a, just a great guy in general. This week, we're going to be really focusing in on not only the original Avengers film, but at the end, we'll talk about what we expect and hope for from Avengers Age of Ultron, which we're going to go see uh, this weekend. Once you've seen the movie, come back here and check out our review as I'm going to be talking again with Kyle Sweeney for a special MCU episode of Me and the Geek with our review of that sometime uh, next week, most likely. Also next week, our regular episode on Thursday is going to feature Jake Gwynn from On the Fly Productions. He'll be on True TV this this season with the Fake Off show. It's uh, premiering next Wednesday night. You can tune in Wednesday night and see it at uh, 10 o'clock, 9 central, and then we'll be discussing that show and his entry into it and how he got to uh, this level of performance. We'll do all of that next week here on Me and the Geek. Right now, let's get into it about the Avengers. It's me, Joel Sharpton, Matthew Bennett, and Me and the Geek. So as you and I record this, Matt, we are um, just about a week away or so, a little bit more than a week for the two of us, perhaps, from actually getting to see Avengers. Avengers uh, 2, or Avengers Age of Ultron, as it's officially named. Uh, but the rest of the world is getting a peek at it already. I've uh, listed some folks in Australia that are watching it today, folks in the UK. Uh, it's premiered in France as well, and it's it's doing very well already, breaking records internationally. But before you and I get to see that, I thought it would be fitting for us to go back and take a look at the movie that sort of started this whole phenomenon, The Avengers itself, from uh, the first film uh, from the combination of Marvel and Disney. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's go back to the very beginning and when this uh, movie came out. Uh, you know, we knew that it was supposed to happen. Uh, they had said from the very beginning, hey, we've got Iron Man, we've got the Incredible Hulk, we've got Thor, uh, we've got Captain America. And uh, at the time they announced Ant-Man, which we're finally only getting to see this year. But those films, they said, don't – it's not a coincidence that the characters that we have make up the original iteration of the Avengers. And we're working towards that in these movies. We're going to have a shared movie universe. And then they 
they called their shot. They were able to actually put it together. How big a surprise for you was it that it actually happened, that we that we have this movie now that we can watch over and over again at home? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, um, I wouldn't say necessarily a, a dream come true, but, uh, you know, it was definitely one of those things where you kind of wish and hope and then see to see it come together and actually work. Yeah, I was very excited about it, and I thought, you know, they it wasn't done half-assed. I mean, they... They they put enough together before the film and then got Josh Whedon to do the film and and so I mean the the whole thing for me was uh well it still is like you said just it's very very worthy of uh, repeated watching and and kind of setting up the universe as a whole. You know, when it first came out, obviously it was satisfying. We got to see these characters together. They fought each other. They fought alongside each other. And it was such a wish fulfillment in some ways for uh, people of, of our age that grew up reading these characters. And people a lot older than us, too, that grew up reading these characters, watching them in cartoons, but never imagining you'd see them in live action uh, on the screen alongside each other. But once you have it in your hands, once you're able to see it, not once, not twice, but a dozen times maybe, do you start picking it apart, or, or do you find now, in retrospect, more nitpicks, or do you still are you still overwhelmed with that enjoyment factor when you watch it now? I certainly think there there are things that I can pick apart about it, but I, I think in general, and we've had this conversation before, I'm just just having superhero movies, I'm I've always kind of made my mind up not to nitpick so hard that I just take away from the fact that we have them. They're well made. There's tons of money being poured into it, and you know the, the reality is, is that we're all going to be able to like find things that we don't like about it. But as a whole, just having them in 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 our possession, I, I would say that upon every viewing, I find more things that I like than dislike. We are about a week away from actually getting to see Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, and we're going to get to, in a little bit, uh, what we sort of expect out of that movie, what we hope for out of that movie. So let's uh, break this down in a couple of ways. Uh, you know, people have talked about this movie ad nauseum. It's been out for several years. I don't know about you, but I've seen it probably a dozen times uh, total. And, and now that the kids are watching it too, my sons are old enough to watch it. Uh, it's sort of in their regular rotation as well. So uh, I'll probably see it a dozen more over the next year. <laughs> it's right up there. And as far as just kind of the fan nerddom or geekdom, I suppose of like, wow, we got another Indiana Jones and wow, Star Wars is rebooted. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've told you before any, any comic book movie I'm like super excited about, but that they actually pulled it off. And then that the Avengers was like the highest grossing movie of all time for a weekend. was like, like, yeah, I, I would never have, I never have thought that that would have happened. Um, but I mean, happily it did. I mean, I am an unup, uh, unapologetic Josh Whedon fan. So I'm just going to say that was, the first best thing they did at which, which I like about him as far as kind of really developing the story, but keeping enough action involved the whole time that you're not snoozing during story and you're not like, Oh good. It's just a flash bang boom action movie. I mean, I thought he balanced it really well. And I mean, I'll tell you right now, my favorite part of the movie, the first time I saw it, and then after repeat visits, I mean, when Hulk book picks up Loki and just bounces him around the floor and says, puny God, 
I, I just die laughing every time. I, I'm like, I don't care who's around me. I'm like, that's the best, right? That's the best. <laughs> like, like, it's the best part of the movie in my opinion. But, but uh, yeah, just, just that, uh, the complete, I, I, I was very skeptical going into the first viewing. Like, I just didn't know if they're going to be able to pull it off. And then, uh, coming off of the success of the other movies, the individual ones, they set such a high standard. I, I thought that Avengers is still pretty much the, the top for me uh, in the Marvel universe. So much of that included just the uniting of all of these different characters on screen alongside one another. You know, we had been teased by seeing somebody like Hawkeye hinted at in the Thor movie, you know, or we saw uh, Agent Coulson and Black Widow and Nick Fury all in the Iron Man films. Uh, We saw some of those characters again in The Incredible Hulk as well. So you were getting the sense that it was a connected universe. So so you've now given us your favorite thing. I've given uh, uh, the audience my favorite thing as well. Let's move to the other side of it. What glaring flaw did you see even on the first viewing what was it that you were like boy boy they should have they should have given me a ring about that one i don't know so i i will say that just coming into it like having most recently read and knowing that the civil war kind of line was was kind of out there i really thought that uh so for me the glaring pieces were thor and Hawkeye um, just kind of continued to remain a kind of just a, a back piece. And um, I guess I've read enough other comics where I thought they could have incorporated a little bit more. And I was you know kind of happy to see them include um, Black Widow in the last Captain America movie and kind of make her more relevant. And then Hulk doesn't have to have any relevance. Everybody knows who Hulk is, but... Yeah, I, I kind of thought that as far as uh, character building, you know, and then going straight into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on TV, you got, you know, Coulson and Nick Fury continuing that, that role. But I, I don't know, I, I was, maybe I have a soft spot in my heart for Hawkeye, but I thought that they just kind of, they downplay a lot of the strengths. If you compare that to the movie that we've now seen in between that a lot of people considered Avengers, you know, 1.5, Captain America, Winter Soldier, now, not exactly the same level because you didn't have the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man there, but those battle scenes did have a lot tighter technicality. It felt like people, the pieces were moving in ways that made logical sense and they were coming together in ways that you could expect and anticipate. And yet, uh, that were still satisfying and thrilling to watch at the same time. You know, I feel like the Russo brothers really nailed that aspect of it. So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to I'm going to tell you my biggest issue with the movie and and I had a problem with it from the very first time that I saw it was it was a single story plot uh, a, I mean a plot issue I hated the Loki pokey stick like and this has now been again this is an an issue that we it looks like anyway is going to be retconned it was hinted at at the in the post I see the post credit scene in Captain America Winter Soldier that this staff was being used to perhaps turn Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver into who they uh, eventually become to give them their powers. Uh, maybe it's connected somehow to the inhuman storyline that we see playing out in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, which, by the way, 
if you're listening to this podcast, if you have enough interest to listen to the two of us chit chat about a movie that's now several years old <laughs> and you have not watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., catch up. It's really good right now, I yeah, promise. Are, are really you watching is. it? Yeah. 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 It's, it. I mean, you could say like the first three or four episodes of season one, you're like, uh, and then like, I always use my guiding point as like when my wife actually gets involved and enjoys it. I'm like, she doesn't catch all the, the geeky stuff, but she's like, this is a good show. I'm like, yes, thank you. Okay, good. Like, I see. <laughs> okay. My, I have not, I've not gotten my wife to get into it yet. I even thought, okay, Agent Carter is going to be my opportunity there. I'll snatch her with that. She was not interested at all. She did. She, she has so far been completely uninterested in the Marvel television. I'm going to give her another shot with Daredevil uh, and we'll see. All right. Oh, yeah. I, by the time this is airing, I have given her another shot with Daredevil. I'll let you know what she thinks about it. But my problem was I feel like this staff was given uh, both immeasurable power and then also very limited power. Loki uses it. Loki uses it in several different ways, and yet he carries it the whole movie and hardly ever uses it to what it seemingly could do. Sure. For instance, yeah. he never attempts to take over an Avenger. As an example, other than Hawkeye, I say when I say Avenger, I mean a powered Avenger. He never pokes Captain America. He does try Iron Man, but he never tries anywhere other than the one place where he's hitting metal. Like, seriously, are you telling me that Loki doesn't think to poke the guy in the face or anywhere other than the, the, the <laughs> glowing metal sphere? Anyway, <laughs> no, so that's, now that's, that's very fair. Uh, yeah, very fair considering Guardians of the Galaxy and like is his is his staff an infinity stone and if so i mean good grief why didn't he just eradicate new york city that's <laughs> i i don't think it was originally intended to be i think originally they the, the the intent was that this was like some sort of a piece of the tesseract or maybe like a, a subset of its power somehow or an or another relic that was related to it in some fashion and so he was given it to retrieve the tesseract for Thanos. That was my idea anyway. That was that was the that was the way it seemed to be laid out in the film. Now, in retrospect, I think they're going to have to make it an infinity stone. And and that will make it make a little bit more sense except that what the heck was Thanos doing sending an infinity stone to Earth with this knucklehead? I can't remember exactly where I read this sort of uh, editorial, so I, I hate that I can't give credit where credit is due. If I find it, I'll try to put it in the show notes, but uh, maybe on like comicbookmovies.com or something like that. I think I read an editorial that, that had – effectively, they made this case. The Marvel movies are following – a similar pattern, a very similar pattern in an accelerated way to what the comic books did in that the early stories are very simple. They're broadly drawn. Uh, the continuity is very loose and shifts anytime they feel like it for whatever reason they feel like it. And as the, the years progressed, those storylines became broader, uh, but also deeper. And they became, um, in some ways, uh, darker, more colored in different ways. Uh, they became 
more intricate too in their connections one to another both um the older film or the excuse me the older books but also their modern day counterparts so the iron man book was more connected to spider-man etc etc and the movies are going to do exactly the same thing they already are doing that same thing and so in that regard i guess you got to sort of forgive it but so i said the loki pokey stick it's more than that though it's the general like they didn't think boldly enough, I think, about the long-term plans. Or if they did, they shifted pretty dramatically after the release of this film. That's my that's my argument. Yeah, and I guess I would say it almost feels like instead of having smart villains, you have like smart heroes who are going to go against each other. So maybe that's the uh, the pushback on like. Yeah, so Loki, like, does something stupid, and he's got all this power, but you know that, like, Cap and Iron Man are about to, like, duke it out, or even from the previews, you know, like, the the Thor, or not Thor, Hulkbuster, I mean, you you know, so they're going to fight amongst themselves, so it's almost like the villains don't have to be that smart, because, you know, the heroes are are flawed, which, you know, and I'm not saying that, that I'm smarter than these guys writing this stuff, but maybe... Maybe that's a, a direction they were going. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, I think that's a reasonable uh, argument to make in their defense, and I think it's one that they would, some of them at least would probably <laughs> agree with too. Let's shift to one more positive thing. What what's another big hit for you still in retrospect that you feel like, boy, I can't, I just can't imagine a world in which they got that much more right. So I would say that, and this might come across a little crass because I'm obviously a a bigger Marvel fan than DC, but I feel like in the entire, the entire movie, like none of the, the Avengers kind of changed who they were traditionally. Like you, you kind of, you knew the Avengers. And so, so I'm going to say this flipping over to like DC in the last Superman movie where like, he's just destroying things and killing and, allowing things to happen, which was the big uproar was this isn't Superman. Um, and like, I enjoyed the movie, but you know, it wasn't a traditional Superman. So I, I, the one thing I really liked about the Avengers kind of opposite that is, you know, they, they didn't change. I mean, obviously there's always going to be things that we would like from each of our favorite characters, but, they kind of stuck with just, you know, where uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby started. I mean, it was, this is who they are, and this is kind of what they do. And I just really liked kind of that, and the fact that it just, it worked. I mean, I, I mean I'm not saying that Josh Whedon didn't have a part in that either, but the whole idea of the way they built it, the way it came together, and the way that it, they kind of formed as this kind of, impromptu team i just liked that it it was it's the the most surprisingly weird you know like you have a demigod and a a hulk and a couple special agents and you got cap and a billionaire alcoholic uh and it all works so i really like that it came together and 
that was the way it was written. Uh, I We could probably go back and list uh, 15 things that we love about it, 20 things that we love about it. I'm going to give you one more negative, and then we're going to start talking about this follow-up that you and I hopefully are going to sneak away from our many, many children <laughs> each and try to see very soon. Uh, but one thing that killed me about the first movie, and I I loved it when I saw it in the first trailer, but even when I saw it the first time, I thought – that looks to me like the kind of thing that I wish I hadn't seen now. Um, and I, you may know what I'm talking about. The end of the trailer was the Incredible Hulk jumping, grabbing Iron Man midair, and then crashing into a building and, and sliding down uh, to safety. Right, and it wasn't yeah. clear. It was cut tightly enough that it wasn't clear of the context. You didn't know where Iron Man was falling from or whether they were battling each other. It sort of The first time I saw it, that's what I thought. I thought... Iron Man and Hulk are fighting in this scene and he's, he's dragging, like he jumps and then falls down the building as he's holding on them. Yeah. Uh, that's what it looked to me. And of course now in the trailer for Avengers two, we've seen the opposite of that as they fight up a building. <laughs> it's the same yeah. thing. But, yeah. but the difference is it's my understanding that that sequence in Avengers age of Ultron comes very early. That is not a, a late last minute surprise. Whereas, and we're in spoiler territory now, if you have not seen the Avengers film, I'm sorry, I'm about to ruin it for you. Uh, except not if you've seen the trailer, Iron Man is maybe dead. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's lost in the wormhole in another dimension. It's, it's closed around him. His suit has uh, given up as he's run out of power, which means that his life support is done too. He goes unconscious and falls from the sky. We see him fall out of the wormhole, but he is still falling because he has zero power. And at the last moment he's saved by the incredible Hulk. And that would be a wonderful conclusion to that heroic arc that he has in the Avengers. This is not really an Iron Man movie, but there is an Iron Man heavy storyline in it. That's great. Except for the fact that we all knew that Iron Man got saved by the Incredible Hulk. And since that's that's such a noteworthy shot, it's such an amazing image, I knew that I had not seen that yet. And the whole movie, I was very, very conscious of the fact that I have not yet seen the Incredible Hulk grab Iron Man out of out of midair and and save him or or destroy him. Either way. <laughs> so so your real problem is that you 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 spoiled yourself. No, but I'm <laughs> you watched the you watched the trailer and you should. Well, I mean, have. maybe that's it. I guess. So. Hey, look, I guess I did that too for for uh, Daredevil. I had made a commitment to myself that I was not going to watch any more trailers for Daredevil on Netflix until I was able to start watching the show at midnight that that Friday morning, uh, April tenth, when it came out. And what did I do? I went and watched that stupid motion trailer that Netflix put out that showed what the suit looked like, what the real suit looked like, and I was like, I don't. Right. And I'm glad I saw it. It looked wonderful. But at the same time, I was like, I wanted to see it when they put it on the dadgum show, you know, and I didn't wait. I, I have, I'm a weak-willed man. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Matt. I'm a weak-willed man. Now, I was worried when I saw the Hulkbuster fight from the trailer for Avengers Age of Ultron, which we're going to see here in about a week or so. And I said, they're doing it to me again, Matt. But it, from everything that I've heard, that fight takes place pretty early on in the movie and is not really that much of a spoiler. I have avoided the the longer sequences and, and played out. I, so I don't know. I haven't watched more than the – I watched the first two trailers and that's all I've seen for Age of Ultron. I've refused to watch the longer clips that they've done on all of the TV show appearances that they've made recently. I've avoided spoilers as much as I can. Um, how are you doing as far as being spoiler-free this time around? 
Yeah, I um, so I'm I'm with you on that. I've I've seen the the first two trailers. That last trailer, um, lots of repeated watching. Um, but then I've steered clear of everything else, and and only since the international release, I guess just in the last day or two, have I um even heard some rumblings in just some of the um, websites. Uh, that I peruse are just friends of mine, and and uh, I've, I've tried to stay as away from it as possible. But just some, so spoiler. Uh, as far as the movie, I've I've kind of only seen those the trailers, and then just heard some rumblings about um, um, Whedon's uh, thoughts about the movie since it's been released, which are a little unsettling. But like I just as soon as I started realizing what I was reading, I just w- walked away from it because. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to hear or read anything more. It's just so close. I'd rather just get it in context and not have uh, bits and pieces of it sort of um, uh, poured into me without knowing how it is how it's all come together. You know, I, I feel like the these storytellers have done such a masterful job so far of bringing these stories and characters that I love to life. Why not let them do it the way that they want to do it and and not ruin it by picking it apart piece by piece ahead of time? Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I. I try not to ever really judge anything by the trailers because, I mean, not all the time, but there's lots of times where the stuff you see in the trailers doesn't actually make the film, you know. And so then I'm waiting for something to happen that never happens, and I'm like, pretty sure I saw that, right? But, you know, so where that part was ruined for you with Hulk, you know, and sometimes in other films you never even see what you uh, expected to see. Well, even in, in this film, I think there's some some moments from the first trailer, especially with Thor. Uh, there's a, a moment with Thor in a cave, and there's a moment it looks like the same cave, but a, a, a mysterious uh, woman with a shaved head, uh, and we don't really know who those figures are. It seems now from the ports, reports that I've heard in the last week or so, those scenes aren't even in the film now, or, or in the film in significantly truncated versions that don't really explain what they are. And maybe that whole storyline was um, was shortened significantly in the edits. But let's go to what we imagine we are going to see, or what we hope we're going to see, as we finally get this uh, next uh, phase rounded up with Avengers Age of Ultron uh, opening uh, here in the States on May 1st. Um, what's the number one thing that you hope to see by the end of this movie? Uh, the, the new trailer for star Wars. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, no. Uh, <laughs> that's only half the reason I would go. Um, I, I really, I want, I want to see a convincing segue to the next chapter as far as the civil war goes. Um, something that will kind of convince me of this separation that's been kind of brooding. I don't know. I just I'm, I'm such a, I was a really big fan of the Civil War storyline in the comics and and kind of how that separated the universe. But something that is maybe as true to the comic as it can be. But then also, you know, we talked about Ant Man and. Guardians of the Galaxy, I've been talking about, like, the universe itself, like, something that kind of continues to tie in the whole universe. Um, I really, I I just want to see, I I want it to kind of, I don't want to have to wait through the credits to see the little sneak peek at what's next. I want, I want some type of, uh, enough of an open ending pointing towards where the, where the, the universe is going towards, if that makes any sense. 
No, absolutely. Uh, the, and one of those things that the universe is leading towards is the introduction of the vision. That's my number one. I cannot wait to see the way that they introduce the vision in this film and just the introduction of not only a new Avenger, which we're actually going to get uh, at least three in this movie, uh, as Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch will at some point, uh, we believe, be on the side of the angels too. But the vision is such a powerful character and such a unique character in uh, as regards the people that they've introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. His power set in particular is so much more advanced uh, over the characters that we've seen so far. He is a game changer in a lot of ways. And I'm interested in not only exactly how they perhaps limit his powers or explain um, why he can't be the answer to every single problem that comes up in the future movies, but also where they take his characters uh, directly, personally. You know, in the comics, this is a character that goes on an entire arc about what is um, sentience, you know, what is personality, what is and what is the individual, and am I one? Uh, and I think that is a fascinating thing to begin to unravel and discuss and examine in these movies. And the fact that you can do that with a guy who's pretty much Superman in a lot of ways, you know, uh, that's that's fun too. So I, I can't wait to see how they handle that character. Yeah, I, I, I mean that's that's definitely been the bright spot of the uh, the trailer for me was you know and you see him open his eyes and everybody knows it's Vision. Yeah, that's I'm with you on that. I want to see that and then even. I mean, heck, they could carry it all the way back to him marrying the Scarlet Witch from the from the comics way back in the day. I mean, you know, who knows where they'll go with it? But yeah, you're right. That I just hope it's not like introduced right at the end, like him opening his eyes is the last two minutes of the movie. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> uh, I actually, I've, I've got a feeling that we're going to get at least the entire third act with him on the board and maybe he won't be a huge screen presence maybe it'll be he'll he's doing things off screen a lot of times or away from the rest of our heroes but i i think his birth comes somewhere in the middle of the film and the whole third act of the movie is really in reaction to him coming into play um i i think he's such a powerful piece that it's you're going to have to spend some time examining how everything responds and, and reacts to his um, his emergence. You know, the other thing that we're missing, I guess, by recording this episode a few days uh, early is the fact that we're not going to be able to talk about exactly how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to tie into the Age of Ultron um, Avengers film. But we do know already, uh, have, did you watch last week? I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a couple episodes behind. So. Okay, a couple episodes on. Well, there, I'll, I'm not going to spoil it for you then, but there are some, uh, there are some hints. There are a couple of characters that we know are going to show up in Age of Ultron uh, that have already appeared, and a couple of more rumored to appear in the next couple of weeks. And so, uh, while it's not going to be the game-changing uh, events of Winter Soldier, where your whole organization right. is destroyed <laughs> and rebuilt, um, there is obviously going to be something that I think not only will have been hinted at through this season of Agents of Shield but is then going to really spur the action for the movement into season three next year. And, and again, you, you talked about getting ready for some 
believable beginnings of the Civil War, I think that's going to be a key story for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and and a perfect reason for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to exist, too. Civil War is a complex storyline, and the idea that these heroes and characters that we love so much and that have worked alongside each other will be fractured uh, by a simple question and, um, you know, the decision of whether or not to register with the government or work alongside the government, that's hard to unwrap in all of its, um, you know, different ways. It's sort of easy, though, to do when you've got 22 hours, let's say, over the course of a full season right. on ABC to unpack the story. So that's another thing I'm excited about next year. Yeah, and I mean, I think also with, I mean, <clears throat> you look at um, them bringing in Luke Cage and, and some other things on Netflix, uh, you know, because Luke Cage was a leader of kind of the the rebellion Avengers after the Civil War. I mean, there's, there's so many ways they can tie in and actually introduce these new characters in such a setting. It's, so that's how I kind of like keep seeing it in my mind. Like, oh man, it'd be so easy, you know, like you have to, you have to register. And now we have these, all these superheroes and this is an easy way to introduce them to like a new audience. Like, well, they're either registering or they're not. Here's the ones that did. Here's the ones that didn't, you know, and just kind of all of a sudden you've got this even more built-in reason of why they're on, you know picking what side they're on type thing. Well, and along those lines, uh, you've got the Daredevil series on Netflix that uh, just dropped the first season, 13 episodes available right now. If you haven't watched that, go check it out. Uh, Marvel and Netflix have already announced season two coming in 2016. And uh, to me, if you watch that first season, and no spoilers here, but there's lots of seeds dropped uh, for the beginnings of Civil War. There's some hints to the question of why would you hide behind a mask and what's the need for the secrecy and the vigilanteism and is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And yeah. um, So I think there's some interesting questions there for them to play with in their second season as well. It is a great time to be a geek, isn't it, Matt? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh... If you ever needed an excuse to to dig into some comic book roots, I mean, now is the perfect time to do it. And, you know, I know we've talked about this before as well, but being able to kind of share stuff that we read and thought about growing up, and now we both have children old enough to, like, not necessarily quite jump in, but get their toes wet is it, pretty exciting. Uh, exciting time to kind of share the reasons that, why does daddy have all those big comic book boxes in the basement? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> let's, let's slowly unpack these and let's, let's talk about this. You know, it's a, it is a good time to be a geek. Not that there was ever a bad time, but it's, we're just more popular now. That's right. That's right. Uh, we're going to have you back on soon, Matt. We're going to talk about uh, – we still got to get to that uh, Wheel of Time episode. And uh, we're also going to do an episode uh, talking about the Ultimate X-Men uh, and uh, that line of comics as it's winding down this uh, spring and summer uh, as they head into their big crossover event as the Marvel universes all collide. I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out the other side of that and how it looks more like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, they, um, well, the whole Ultimate run was kind of a kind of a roll of the dice just to see how, how it would play out, and it definitely, I think, uh, offended a lot of old readers and inspired a bunch of new readers. And then those of us in the middle who had our, I, I mean, I liked it because I liked just a fresh take on things, but at the same time there was things that I probably was a little bit more critical of than say the movies because the movies, you know, you just kind of expect certain things, but yeah, I'm a, uh, the ultimate line I think succeeded in what it was uh, made to be. 
<laughs> All right, man. Uh, Matt uh, Bennett, we appreciate you for joining us this week on Me and the Geek, and we'll have you back on again soon, man. You got um, – well, no, you, you said you don't have like a Twitter or anything you want anybody to, to go to, right? No, my online personality is very minimal. <laughs> Non-existent. There you go. All right, good deal. Um, okay, man. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, thanks for hanging out with Me and the Geek. Thank you, sir. Look forward to the next time. Always have a great time talking to Matthew Bennett, and we are going to have him on again soon. We'll uh, do a Wheel of Time episode coming um, pretty soon in the next couple of months or so. And then we're also going to be talking about the Ultimate X-Men and the end of the Ultimate Universe overall. So stay tuned for that. Don't forget to stay subscribed MeAndTheGeekPod.com. We're on Twitter. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Facebook as well. You can find us in all of those places. And anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, review us if you're enjoying the show. It really does help other people find us. And uh, so stop by in iTunes and leave us a uh, five-star review, hopefully, and let us know what you think of Me and the Geek. You can also always email us, meandthegeek at teamprocreate.com. That's the email address. Until next week, I'm Joel Sharpton at The Rogue's Life on Twitter. This week's geek was Matthew Bennett discussing The Avengers, uh, both the original film and Age of Ultron, the new one, in theaters this weekend. And this has been the podcast. One, two, three, four. Me and the Geek is a proud member of the ProCast Network, a ProCreate production. ProCreate is a community of artists in film, music, the digital arts, and fine arts that helps them connect and collaborate on projects. You can find out more at TeamProCreate.com. Also, be sure to check out one of our other great shows, like Pod on Pod, a weekly review of a different podcast to help you find your new favorite show. Josh and Joel are your hosts as they walk through the wide world of podcasting. From comedy to self-help, Josh and Joel listen to it all so you don't have to. This is the sound of a man who unexpectedly fell into cold water and instinctively is trying to swim hard. This is the sound of the cold water shock, making him gasp uncontrollably and breathe in water until he drowns. Whereas this is the sound of a man who fell into cold water and knows how to survive. You have to fight your instinct to swim and just float until the cold water shock has passed and you can control your breathing. This is a safety message from the RNLI. Float to live. Visit respectthewater.com. These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco.